0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. ...allowed to speak in the name of Jesus. So what, you would think, what would be their response? What would be the response of a person who has been threatened? Don't do this, okay? I'm not talking about a vaccine, so please, <laughs> me just say that. You've probably been wondering, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't think this, but the, the context and the culture and the spirit behind all of this right now, okay, it's not about a vaccine. It's not about uh, uh, going to do that. It's about the spirit I see behind the scenes working. It's like, you know, when you have a play and there's someone pulling the strings and it's, it, there's a spirit of the Antichrist working right now. And it's not, if you take the vaccine, that doesn't mean you're agreeing with the spirit, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting into all that stuff. Well, all I'm saying is this, that the nations are going to start putting their foot down. and They're going to start putting churches and pastors in places they're going to be uncomfortable. It's already happened. Many of you may know these stories, but many people, many pastors have been kicked out of denominations because they won't marry a homosexual couple. Okay? This is what's happening in the earth. What are you going to do, Pastor George, when you have to marry a homosexual couple? You know how many, you know, like this church may not be part of a do- denominations, but you know how many denominations are in the earth today? In America, how many churches have to abide by a set rules and laws or they lose all their funding and the church closes? So I'm talking about certain denominations. I don't have to say their names. But certain denominations have an A, B, C, D list that they have to follow. There's going to be a new letter tossed in there very soon, I promise you. It's going to be a letter of you have to allow homosexual marriage in your church. And that's going to be part of the denomination. And those that don't appro- agree with that are going to be kicked out. This is going to happen. And I'm, I'm highlighting this one thing, but it's, it's more than just this one thing. Okay, how about, I, this is going to sound crazy to you, but maybe it won't. You have to marry, you know, three people. You know, a husband, a wife, and a wife. Or a husband, a husband, and a wife. You have to marry them. What do they call it? I don't know their name for the, whatever, yeah, that stuff. You don't think that's not coming? You don't think it's coming, a 20-year-old marrying a 15-year-old? I'm telling you, things are coming. I'm just throwing stuff out there. You guys are nodding your heads because I'm not crazy, right? What is coming on the earth? We need to know where we stand, and we need to not be afraid of the repercussion for standing. The disciples knew what would happen if they preached the name of Jesus, So what did they do? Did they close up? Did they shut the shutters down? Did they say, don't talk about Jesus? We got a church to build. What Jesus trusted us to build a church, and we got to make sure we build this church. If we all die, we ain't going to be here, and there ain't going to be no church. Let's not preach in the name of Jesus. Let's just talk about him a little bit. Let's not say our points as much. What you said earlier about the mouth, that's the war. The devil doesn't care what you believe. He cares about what you believe and you speak. He doesn't care. The America doesn't care about what you believe in your heart. They, believe, they care about what you believe and you declare with your mouth. Let's look at Daniel, right? What did he do? Daniel, don't pray three times a day. Daniel goes up to the window, opens the window wide, throws on some Matt, uh, Gilman and worships. Holy. <laughs> don't do it, Daniel. Because you're going to be tossed into the lion's den. Daniel didn't think of the repercussion, but he thought about standing in his normal stance because he already he already made his a, a, a agreement with God and he already made his decision before the decree to not pray was already in place. If that makes sense. It doesn't matter what the culture says we are allowed or not to do. God is bringing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Another one. Bow down to this this image, or you're going to be tossed into a furnace of fire, and they did not bow. It's not about what you believe. It's about what you believe, and you share with other people, and you stand on until the point of death. It's uncomfortable. I get it. It's raining outside. (laughs) That's why I called it the coming storm, because the storm that is coming is a a couple things involved. It's a storm of deception, and that deception is going to lead to a falling away. It's a storm also of fear of persecution. So what do the disciples do? Let's read it. It says in verse 24, so when they heard what Peter and John said, I love it. Their response is as they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it. And by the mouth declared of David, why do the nations rage and the papal plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly together, uh, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29. Here's their cry now. In the face of persecution. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants boldness. Everyone say boldness. Boldness. What? To speak your word. Jesus, where's the fight in the church? Where's the fight to speak what's true? Where's the fight to look at your friend and say, that's wrong? I love you, and you look in my eyes, and you know I love you. But that is not God. See, the question is, do they know you, that you love them? That's where we fail, right? That's where we stumble. That's where we, ha- we need strength by the Holy Spirit. We need grace. And I, where do I get my grace to love others in their weakness? <laughs> As I look at my weakness, and I look at the cross, and I'm like, thank God for that thing because I am not good enough. And when I get that revelation, I can have mercy and grace for others when they're going through something. But that does not substitute speaking truth for it. Grant to your servants boldness. Just put your hands out for a second. Give us boldness, Jesus. Give us boldness, God, in our families. Give us boldness in our church. Give us boldness for what is coming down the stream, God, what is the coming storm. We ask for boldness. Boldness to pray, boldness to cry out, boldness to preach your word in the face of persecution. Give us boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. Go back to Psalms 2. Go back to Psalms 2. Psalms 2, like I said, is the, is the storyline of what is happening, guys. Let's break it down a little bit here. Why are the nations raging? Why are they plotting a vain thing? Well, one, I want to give you a little bit of feet to stand on for a second. (laughs) It's vain. What the nations are doing right now to silence Jesus is all for nothing. It will accomplish nothing. Jesus is not surprised. (laughs) Jesus is not dumbstruck. Jesus is not in a place of trying to figure out what to do. How do I respond? He is in control. He is sovereign. He knows what is happening. He is not like thrown off of his throne, like he fell off the throne for a second. Like, pick me up, angels. Give me okay, I can do this. <laughs> he is in full control. The plotting of the nations against Jesus is in vain. It's vanity. It's worthless. It will achieve nothing. So understand this. Understand that God's Plan is not being ruined, not being uh, deterred, nothing whatsoever. This is very important because you you know you get this feeling like you know that that Elijah right. Nobody, where's all the other prophets? You know you get this. Who else is serving the Lord? Who else is going after God? What's happening? And you get this 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 kind of black cloud weighing down on you. And I think a lot of Christians felt that obviously after the elections and stuff like that. And I'm over here like. Think God doesn't know what's happening right now? Do you trust God? Do you trust Jesus? I mean, they came to grab Jesus and to take him to be crucified. And Peter struck the you know the ear and he took out his sword, and Jesus said, Put the sword away. <laughs> Peter, do you not do you not understand what's happening here? He told Pontius Pilate, he said, Do you not think I could call legions of angels? Jesus is in control, just as he was then, he is now. He is sovereign. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. So, this is going to start to happen more and more. You're going to see more unity in the kingdom of darkness. That just makes me just have conviction of the unity and the lack of unity in the kingdom of God. There is going to be unity in the kingdom of darkness. I, I, the heart of my message always birthed out of this fact here. What's happening in the earth is going to produce a a longing and a wanting for an answer. And that answer is not going to be Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Everything that's happening in our culture right now is producing everyone around the globe, Christian, non-Christian, I want an answer for this. I need peace. I want peace. This guy after this. Everyone wants peace. The answer is coming, and it's not going to be Jesus. The nations are preparing the hearts of people to want an answer, and it's not going to be Jesus. It's going to look like Jesus. It's going to smell like Jesus. It's going to talk like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. It's going to be a kingdom of false peace. It's going to be the kingdom of the Antichrist. Obviously, we all know I'm going to say those words. (laughs) Antichrist is coming. Could be here already. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already among us. And that spirit is preparing the hearts of people to want peace. They're tired of the wars. They're tired of the animosity. People want peace in the world. You don't need to be a Christian to see that. You talk to people. I I talk to people at work all the time. They're tired of it. I'm so tired of this. Well, I'll say this because I just remembered it. I had had a dream two nights ago. And I asked God for a dream. I, you know, sometimes I do that. I tell the kids all the time, they, you know, Hannah was like, Daddy, I never get dreams. I was like, how often do you ask God <laughs> for a dream? Sometimes you just got to ask God, right, Harvest? I mean, I think he, it seems like all the time when I go to, I just always forget to ask. But when I do remember to ask, God give me a dream, it seems like he always does it. So it was a very short dream. But in this dream, I was working out outside of my house in my driveway, which I do all the time. And I had my, my workout bench there. And, and I remember just working out and I'm outside. It's a beautiful day. And all of a sudden I see an uh, eagle flying toward me, and this eagle, was, it looked like it was going to attack me, like it's coming down, like, and it was, you know, if you ever seen an eagle up close, like, they're pretty intimidating, <laughs> and I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, I jumped back, and the eagle came, and it landed on my bench, and when it landed on my bench, I looked at it, and he went like this, <sighs> and he just kind of, like, looked around, and I was so surprised, I'm like, why is this eagle tired? And I just remember praying over this the last two days, and I'm just like, America is tired. I know that's the obvious interpretation, but sometimes it's just that obvious. America is tired of what's happening. They're tired, and they want an answer, but I'm telling you the answer that's going to come and be presented on a golden platter, very beautiful, here's the answer to everything, and it's not going to be Jesus. Because if it is Jesus, it means your peace isn't coming yet. Oh, What does that mean? So if you say yes to this, now you have peace, right? False peace. But if you say no, then now you're part of the ones that don't want peace. Now you're part of the ones that want to divide. So now persecution, we're going to have to separate you guys because everybody else wants peace. We want peace too, but we want true peace through Jesus Christ. But we know we have to wait for that peace to be fulfilled in his return. And so I remember praying that, and then today during worship, I just, of course, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 40, where he says, you know, the young and the old will go weak, you know, and they will grow faint, but will rise up like eagles once again. I'm like, Jesus, we need that fighting spirit again in the church. Where is the fighting spirit in America that helps uh, restore this country? And it's not just for America. It's really for the church, more of anything. Where's the fighting spirit that started the church, in those disciples, in that room, who said, in the face of persecution, we're still going to declare it. Give us boldness. Not only boldness just to speak, but also boldness for signs and for wonders. Let us demonstrate this power of this man who nobody can replicate. Well, this is going to be important because there's going to be signs and wonders done on the other side, too. By the way, false peace. With signs and wonders. The false prophet, prophet will call on fire as much as he desires. False prophet would do false signs and false wonders. We need power in the church again to stand against what's coming. This storm that's coming is a storm of signs and wonders. It's a storm of a, a look, it looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, with signs and wonders and with peace. That's what it looks like. We have to stand, and we need that fighting spirit again. Look at what they're saying in verse 3. This is so important. Let us break their bonds in pieces and let us cast away their cords from us. The nations of the earth want to break off from anything connected to Jesus. That's what this verse is telling us. They want to have a system in place that Jesus is completely outside of all conversation. That's what's unifying. So there's, there's something crazy about unity. Think about it for a second. King's... Across the earth in unity. That, that sounds like, right? Can, have you ever, that doesn't happen. The fact that they're even in unity and unifying is crazy. I mean, we're talking about in Russia, in Germany, in America. By the way, Jesus said, all nations will hate me. Hate you for my name's sake, Matthew 24. You'll be hated by all nations. That doesn't mean there's not pockets of Jesus and remnants in every single nation. But the heads of every nation will hate people who declare Jesus. This is coming. Matthew 24 tells us about it. But the point of all this and the heart of all this is they want to d- disconnect from anything Jesus. Why is this important? Because we're dealing with the spirit right now in the church. We have to decide what side we are on. And I, that's why I said, I know it's uncomfortable, but, I mean, it's, I it's, rather you be hot or I rather you be cold. Here's why. My heart is for the homosexual community. I have a heart. I've been praying for them, and I'm like, God, draw them back to you, Jesus. They don't know who they are. That's, and I was listening to a song this morning and praying for them, and I just, it's just a shadow of yourself. I see who you are. It's from. A, what's his name? It's just this, You're just a shadow of yourself. I still see who you are. Your identity is not found in your sin. I was telling BG this morning; it was kind of funny, but like, let's say I struggle with with, with stealing my whole life. Everywhere I go, I gotta steal some little M M&M and M here, right? Steal my mom's purse. I'm a stealer. So now I'm gonna come out of the closet. I'm no longer afraid to be a stealer. I am a burglar and a robber. I'm coming out. That's who I am. I'm identifying. With my sin. See, it's not enough for Satan to take your identity, to, to take the sin and say, okay, choose sin. If you want to choose sin, choose your sin. I prefer hotter coat. Choose your sin. But Satan is even taking another step. He's saying, I'm making your sin your identity. I'm making your sin your identity. I want you to identify with that. You know what I was talking about this week? I was like, the day is going to come where the nurses aren't going to be able to tell you if you're having a boy or girl. I remember those days when my children, I'm in the nurse, I'm in the, in the room, they're, you know, doing the sonogram. I'm like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's a boy. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was the last one. Hopefully, no, I don't know I'll say that. <laughs> Maybe it's the last one. <laughs> She's not pregnant, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry, babe. <laughs> but the day is coming where you, I, I, I just, I'm just a random thought. The day's coming where they're not going to be allowed to do that anymore. Because they have to identify if it's a boy or girl in the womb. And the, the kingdom of darkness who runs the institutions are not going to be okay with that. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you know what sounded crazy 10 years ago? That homosexuals can have the same rights as a married couple. That sounded crazy. But you know what happened a couple years back? I was uh, reading a book by Mike Bickle. He talked about this, and it was so I was like, There was a turning point, and it was in the ESPY Awards. And uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner or Kylie Jenner, the Jenner guy, the guy that became a girl, he won a Courage Award for becoming a woman. And everybody clapped. Everybody clapped because he was courageous. Do you see this? You're identifying with your sin, and if you're uh, you're unapologetic about your sin, now... I know we don't talk about this stuff in church. I got another side of it. oh you're not going to like this side. Pornography. Right? Because Romans chapter 2 and 3, scary verses. Romans 2 tells you about, you know, uh, homosexuality, right, and all this. But then you keep reading and it says, woe to you who say to the other person sin, but yet you have sin." So we may talk about the homosexual community, but what about pornography in the church? You're agreeing with the same immor- immor- immorality spirit, the lustful spirit. You're agreeing with the same spirit when you're in pornography, with human trafficking. You know we have all these people that rise up against human trafficking and then agree with pornography. How can you? I'm at fear of the Lord in my life. Help me, help my eyes, God. Give me a covenant with my eyes, God. What is the enemy doing? He's, he's putting this holier-than-thou, right, thing over you. You know, this, uh, this uh, oh, we don't want to talk about holiness because, you know, holiness means you're better than anybody else. No, but that is the goal of Christianity yeah. to be like Jesus and stumble, oh, oh, funny, crawl our way there. <laughs> but you've got to have that desire to get there. I said all that stuff about the homosexuality and the pornography to say this. How do we respond? This is what I was, I've been praying. And this morning I was brushing my teeth. you know, And the Holy Spirit just gave me that phrase. And I go, Thank you, Jesus. I've been, I've been, and this might mean nothing to you, but for me, my heart, I've been asking God, How do I respond to the homosexual community? How do I respond to the backslidden church? How do I respond to people? Like, how do, I don't want to be holier than thou. I don't, because I, I'm broken. Like, how do I respond? And this is what he said to me he said, Be consistent, be on fire, and they're always watching you. Like, Wait, hold on, God. He said, how do you respond? You respond by being there when they return. You respond by being consistent in fire, in love with Jesus. And they will come back. And they will always remember the ones who are on fire who are consistent. The, the, The lost does not want hypocritical Christians. When they're going through something, who do they run to? Who do they run to when they know they need the advice that they don't want to, you know the advice you don't want to hear? You don't want to talk to the guy. You know the guy that gives you the real advice? Nobody ever wants to talk to that guy. <laughs> I talk to my friends and, you know, this guy, you, you struggle with the same thing, right? Let's talk about it. <laughs> because if I go above and I go somewhere, to, I, I, you know, there might be conviction on their, on their rebuke of me. There might be correction. So Satan has placed this veil of holy, uh, let me talk about something for a second. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. If you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the primary identity of God in the Old Testament is not the God of love. Don't stone me. Say it again. The primary identity in the Old Testament is not a God of love. It's actually a God of judgment. Ooh, Jesus, now you don't like me. (laughs) I don't, trust me, I'm going to explain a little bit. The God of the New Testament is the God of love. Here's the problem. Jesus sat with his disciples and he tried to tell them about the God of love and they could not comprehend a Messiah who would die. They cannot comprehend a God who would become a man and would die for our sins. Why? Because you know how they saw God? A God of judgment, justice, justice. He's going to take the nations of the earth. He's going to rule the earth with an iron scepter. The throne of his kingdom will be forever and ever. The throne of his righteousness will go forth. This is the God the disciples and Israel saw. And Jesus was trying to show them the God of love, and they were blind to it. The problem in the church today is we only see the God of love, and we don't see the God of judgment. Why? Because we think if we see the God of judgment, we lose sight of the God of love. And if you only see the God of love and you don't see judgment, love is actually not true love. If my house was being broken into and someone grabbed my daughter and is dragging her out the front door and I stood there and watched and said, I love you. (laughs) I love you, Mariah, as she's being dragged out of the house right before my eyes taken before me, drugged by the enemy in my home, dragging my daughter. And I say, I love you. That's not love. You want to know what love is? <laughs> Some of you might not agree. <laughs> that's, the love, that's the God of love you're going to find in my house, just for the record, if you touch my kids. Because why? I am a father who loves his daughter. And sometimes love means judgment. Now, if you drag me out of the house and put a gun to my head, right, I'm willing to, there's a difference here. There's a difference. I'm willing to die for my faith, but I'm also willing as a father to stand up for my kid's faith. Does that make sense? So see God as the God of father. The God, the father, is a God of judgment, and judgment is his response in love. What I mean by that is if God, when God comes to judge the world, he is judging the nations for love. The actual judgment he's bringing is to judge the nations for taking that daughter, his bride, his daughter, his son and stealing them away. Jesus is coming as the greater Moses. He's coming with his rod in his hand and he is marching into Egypt who is called the nations of the earth. Let my people go. I'm coming to set the captive free. I came in the first coming to judge sin and to overcome sin. I'm coming in the second coming to judge the nations and overcome the nations. I am the king of kings. There are many kings, but I am the king. I am the Lord, and I'm judging the nations of the earth. When he comes, he is coming to judge real people. It's, right, it's, ooh, we don't like, people will stand against Jesus. The Bible says they will gather against him. They're not only gathering, they're gathering, and, you know, everyone in the the end times will say, come, Lord Jesus. The church is crying, come, Lord Jesus, rescue us from this culture, from Egypt. We're slaves. Rescue us, like the people of Israel cried out. Save us, Messiah. And then the the, the gathering of the nations of darkness are saying, come, Lord Jesus, bring it. They're gathering against him. Bring it, Jesus, what you got. Don't read the book of Revelations, and you only want the God of love. If you don't like seeing that Jesus, don't read the book of Revelations. You know why? Because the Bible says a half of the earth will be killed by Jesus. When was the last time we said that in church? got to struggle with this. It's not my Bible. I didn't write it. Jesus will judge the nations. His garments will be stained in blood. It's just reality. Why? And it's not because he doesn't love them. It's because he did love them on the cross, and they rejected his act of love. Can't look at Jesus and say he didn't love you. You can't look at Jesus and say his, you ever heard that? You know, what kind of a God of love would throw someone, you know, toss someone in hell? Oh, that's the easiest question I ever get now. He didn't. He died at the cross. You rejected his act of love. Yes. Every time someone, well, well, if God really, the cross. I'm sorry, Enrique, but if God, the cross. Enrique, but there's a uh, cross. Uh, uh, um, Enrique, you don't understand. I'm just right, the cross. I the, the cross, the cross, the cross. Your excuse isn't good enough because of the cross. The Bible says he poured out the cup of his wrath on his son. The full judgment is poured on Jesus. It's finished. It's accomplished. It's over. You're free. You just have to believe it and receive it and walk in it at the cross. Psalm 2, verse 4 it says he sits in heaven and he laughs. <laughs> he laughs. I'm going to speak to the church. Shh, calm down. It's going to be all right. He's not even standing up yet. (laughs) He's just chilling. Jesus, the nations are gathering. They're warring. They're creating things, right? They're creating systems against Jesus. They're creating systems, and God just sits. (laughs) That's uncomfortable, right? He's like, they have no chance <laughs> The Lord will hold them in derision that word means drunkenness They're drunkenness they just they're they're, they're scattering around they're, they're running back and forth they're wasting their time all in vain but they're plotting against Jesus Verse 6 the Father makes a decree I have set my king on his holy hill of Zion I will declare the decree, and the Lord has said to me, you are my son. This is Jesus speaking. You are my son. Today I begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations of your inheritance. That's what the Father said to Jesus. And the ends of the earth for your possession, you will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. I had this picture of a clay on top of a table and Jesus had this rod. Have you ever seen those big clay pieces, you know, like a potter's vessel? They're like full of clay. They're very fragile. And he takes his rod and he just knocks it. clunk. And I just saw it like slow motion fall. And scatter into a thousand pieces. Jesus is going to judge the nations. It's as easy as that for him. That's the picture of the, of the great Armageddon right there. Nations gathering. It took 6,000 years to get all these people here today. <laughs> you know, we, try to, we try so hard to get people in church on Sunday. 6,000 years of gathering against Jesus, all gathered in one place. I hope we got a chance. <laughs> That's the picture. It's nothing to him. He is sovereign. He is in control. Say amen. So what do we do about it? What do we do with all of this heavy truth in our hearts? Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Here's Jesus' advice for us. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Whatever happened to the fear of the Lord in the church? I want the fear of the Lord. Raise your hand if you want the fear of the Lord in your life. Careful now. He's watching. <laughs> Lord, say, Lord, give me the fear of the Lord. I feel the fear of the Lord right now in this room. Give me the fear of the Lord again in my life, Jesus. Give me the fear of the Lord, God. I want to rejoice in that trembling. I want to rejoice in the the awe of who you are, God. When you see the angels and the seraphim around the throne, what do they say? They didn't sing, love, 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 God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And it's not to mean God is not a God of love because you can only understand his love when you understand his holiness. If you miss that, you're going to miss it all. You can only understand the love of this man when you understand his holiness. He is holy. He is separate. And that, that holiness, that God humbled and went to that cross for me, now you get love. Holy, holy, holy is the testimony of heaven over God. We need this in the church again. We need this in our lives again. Kiss the son. There's intimacy. Find your intimacy with Jesus. How do I respond and re What do I do in this hour? Prepare your oil. The Bible says there were five who were wise. There were five who were foolish. Where are you in that line? The line is drawn. Are you the five? I'm not going to say left or right. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just don't like those words anymore. I'm starting to bother me. There's five on this side <laughs> and five on that side. What side are you on? Are you foolish or are you wise? Wisdom comes through intimacy. Be wise, oh, kiss the sun, lest. He'd be angry. How many of you have ever had an encounter with the fear of the Lord in your life? Raise your hand. I've had one before. I'm not going to share it because it's not important. It's not scripture. If you've never encountered the fear of the Lord in your life, ask God for it. It helps you to live out your life under, not the microscope of striving, okay? Not the microscope of, of doing it in our own strength. Because why is it? Why is kiss the son the response of Jesus when we have the nations raging against us? Because he knows the only way you're going to walk out fear and trembling is through love. Kiss the son. Be intimate with Jesus. Find your intimacy with Christ. Gain oil in this time. This short time that we have, guys, it's short. The hour is urgent. The nations are raging. This is the time for you to fall in love with Jesus. Kiss him. Kiss him with the, the Bible in Song Song of Solomon says, kiss me with the kisses of your word. Now is the hour to fall in love with the word of God. Because the hour will come where this will be taken right out of your hands. See them ripping the word of God. I could see them doing that. Grabbing it and ripping it in front of the church. You're not allowed to have this anymore. What's the word? I don't know the word. What, What does the Bible say? This is the hour. Gain oil. Gather oil. Your intimacy with Jesus is how you prepare. Look at the warning there, guys. Verse 12. Don't miss this. I told you. Psalm 2. We all need this. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in your way. Perish. Jesus, Jesus. I'm wrapping it up. You can have the worship team come up. Whew. Holy Spirit, I want to end with this last passage here. Actually, let me put up those quotes real quick. Uh, Joanne, if you got them back there, it's all about Jesus, guys. That's why we. (laughs) The video started it, and it's ending with this again. It's all about Jesus. The division that's coming is about Jesus. Let's put the uh, the quote up there I had from David Paulson. The world starts with the world is coming. First slide. There you go. The world is coming to an end, but that end is personal rather than impersonal. In fact, the end is a person. Jesus is the end. To study the revelation or end times, and primarily to to discover what the world is coming to, is to miss the point. The essential message about who the world is about who the world is coming to, or rather who is coming to the world. That's the message. It's not how the world is going to end. It's who's coming to the world. It's all about Jesus. Christians are really the only ones who are longing for the end to come. Every generation hoping that this will be to happen during their lifetime. For them, the end is not an event but a person. And we are eagerly awaiting him, not it. This is not about uh, studying the end times or understanding the bowls, the trumpets, and all those things, which I encourage. This is about falling in love with Jesus, and his return is the answer that we have to be waiting for. Remember I told you, the earth is preparing you to want an answer. The earth is preparing you to want a final result or an end of the story, which they're going to present to the church. It's called the great falling away. Yeah. A false Jesus, a false peace. When we know the end is the person, his name is Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, I don't want it. Last two quotes here and then we'll read the last passage. The same way the disciples, get this part right here. I felt this in my spirit when I wrote it down. The same way the disciples couldn't comprehend the voluntary death of the Messiah, today Christians struggle to understand the judgment of the Messiah. I put that in here to remind myself, to encourage you guys. Study the Old Testament. Study the book of Jeremiah, of Isaiah. Study Ezekiel. Study the the minor prophets, the whole word of God. And let that be your picture, again, to draw you back to this God, this holy God is the one that went to that cross. All my excuses are, are pinned to the cross. All my excuses. Turn with me, last verse. Jesus. Let's actually, I changed my heart. Let's go to Revelation three. I know I said it earlier, but I want to read it. So I feel like this was the response that we should have. And I'm going to put you guys in an uncomfortable position, and it's okay. I'm going to actually have a little, we're going to have an altar call. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now what it's about. It's two reasons. One, for some of you, today's a day where you break off lukewarm Christianity. If nobody comes up, fine. But today is a the day, there's going to be opportunity where you're going to say yes to being on fire and not being lukewarm. So if you want to do that, that decision is yours. Don't come up if you don't mean it. I prefer nobody come up than anybody come up and not mean it. Don't come up to the altar call to say, God, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be on fire for you, Jesus. We're going to have two, two reasons for the altar call, so we might not know what you're coming up for. But do not come up if that's not your reason behind it. I want to make that clear. Because God is, is calling you out today. He's calling you out. The days of being wishy, the back and forth, I'm not sure if I'm following Jesus. Those days are over. We can't afford it. We, the church, we need you. I felt that. Whoa, hallelujah. Jesus, we need you, beloved daughter, son of God. We need you in the ministry. We need you to be a light. We need you in your families. We need you in your home. The church needs you. God needs you. Your family needs you. You are here for a reason. God has called you to be his light, to be his fire, to be set ablaze. The days of playing are over. Don't come up if you don't mean it. Number two. Second, well, let me read that passage just while we're on this, and then I'll move on. Revelation 3.14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea writes, this is Jesus, says the amen... The faithful and true witness, the beginning of all creation. Remember, I told you earlier, the war is creator versus creation. Creator God, he says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. I called you. I gave you a name. I gave you a purpose. You are my creation. I am your father. To the creator saying, I don't know what I am. I don't know what I've been formed to be. I don't know who I am. You can't give me identity. You can't say I'm male. You can't say I'm female. You can't get. Give- I choose my identity. Creator. Creation versus creator. And it's the same thing from before Genesis when the devil found sin in his heart and said, I want to be like the most high. It's always been the same war. Creation versus creator. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, lose it. Be done with it. Is today the day where you're done with your life? Be done with it. Nail it to the cross. Die to your name. Put your name blank right there. Die to die to Enrique, die to George, die to harvest, you are no more. Put your name there. You're dead in Christ. It's your life worth. You want to live? Die to Christ and you will live. You will find life. I promise you, you will find a beautiful fountain of life. You will find the bread. It will fulfill you. It will please you. It will give you pleasure. It will give you love. It will give you wholeness. It will give you hope. It will give you grace. But you have to die to yourself. It's there, I promise you, it's there. It's there. You have to let go of you to find it. He says he is faithful, he is true. I know your words that you're either neither you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. Make a decision today to be cold or be hot. If you want to be cold, be cold. If you want to be hot, be hot. Be on fire for Jesus. Be done with the world. Yeah. So then, because if you are lukewarm, because, because, why is this important? Because if you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus says, "I love you, and I cannot have you as either one. I have to have only all of you." This is what it's really about. I know Elliot always carries this. This, this. I want your whole heart, and I want it on my terms.